I feel like in order to get across what the Lord wants you to hear today, then I've got to give you a little background. Because Jeremiah was ordained a prophet from his mother's womb. Before he was ever born, God picked him to be a prophet. And some say that Jeremiah began prophesying as early as 8, or 12, eight to 12 years old, probably closer to 12. And he began to prophesy. By the time he was 20, he had already encountered so much resistance that he actually at one time said, I don't want to prophesy anymore. I'm not going to say anything else. He, got, he, he continually was, was, was harassed. He was continually bothered. And so he decided he wouldn't say anything else. But he, in, in chapter 20 of Jeremiah, he said, Your word is shut up like fire in my bones, and I cannot forbear. So Jeremiah could not quit prophesying. He could not quit loving his people. He could not quit caring for his people. He could not just let them all die and go to hell. He just could not let them just die and be taken over by a Babylonian army. He just could not let them just go their way. That fire, that love, that determination, that prophecy, those things within him was shut up in his bones like a fire and he couldn't fight against it. And so it, as he continued to prophesy, Jeremiah was told by God not to take a wife. So he was, remained a single man throughout his entire life. He prophesied and told Jerusalem, told Jerusalem that they were going to be overrun by the Babylonians. He told him that they were going to be taken into captivity. He told them everything that was going to happen. And in about Jeremiah chapter 50, you find out that everything that Jeremiah had been prophesying, his whole life came to pass. He had been telling them and telling them and telling them and telling them and telling them. And they wouldn't listen. They wouldn't listen. And everything he said came to pass. Down to the jot and the tittle, it all came to pass exactly like Jeremiah said. So the group that was left, are you still with me? Did I lose you? The group that was left, they took a bunch of people away and they left a small group of people there. And the people that were there, they got with Jeremiah and they said, ask the Lord what we should do. And Jeremiah prayed for three days and he came back and he said, the Lord says, stay here, build houses, plant vineyards, uh, stay under the reign of the Babylonians. And in 70 years, it'll all change. And they said, you're a liar. You're a liar. We want to go to Egypt. And he said, if you go to Egypt, you're going to die. They said, you're lying. We're going to go to Egypt. And they gathered up Jeremiah. They gathered him up. And they forced him to go with them to, to, to Egypt where they exactly knew they shouldn't be and Jeremiah died in the land of Egypt. The rest of that story is that Nebuchadnezzar did come. He did take Jerusalem, but eventually Jer Nebuchadnezzar went on down and he took Egypt too and the Jews that ran from him to Tephanes were slaughtered with the rest of the Egyptians. Everything Jeremiah said was true. Everything Jeremiah said was said with a heart of love. Everything Jeremiah said was, was said with a heart that broke for his people, but nobody would listen to Jeremiah. And so Jeremiah says in chapter 9, Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep in day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. And I want to tell you today, and I may be preaching to me more than I'm preaching to you, I want to tell you today, there are going to be times in your life when you feel totally inadequate for what God's asked you to do. There's going to be times in your life when you pour into somebody, 
when you give them everything you've got, when you visit them in the hospital, when you send flowers to their loved ones, when you preach their funerals, when you marry their kids, whenever you do everything you can do and some little old something, something happens and they decide to leave and cut ties with you and there is nothing you can do about it and you try to make it better and you try to make it up and you try to reestablish that relationship and they won't do it and your head fills with water and you wish your eyes were tears so that you could cry over the situation that you find yourself in. Sometimes there's nothing you can do about it. You've done everything you can do. You've called everybody you can call. You've texted everybody you can text. You pray till your, till your knees are wore out and there's no more tears left in your head. You've done it all. And now you feel so inadequate. And you say, what, am I, what, what, what's the, what else can I do? You've asked them to church. They've come to church. They sat on the pew beside you. They listened to the same things you listened to. They did the same things you did. They came to the same events you came to. But some reason or some reason or some reason, they, they decided that that's just not there for them anymore. And they go away. And they won't come back. And you weep and you cry and you try and you do everything you can do, but you realize that you're inadequate. Sometimes God gives people a promise. This week I have been in prayer. And you know what my prayer has been? My prayer has been this. God, we need some of the things that you've said to start happening. I believe them. You've said them, I believe them. I do. I believe them with all my heart. But I'll tell you what. It's time for, it's time for some of them to start coming to pass. Come on, Lord, we've waited. We've, we've stood. Give the Lord a hand. Amen. If you want to give God a hand, give God a hand. We've waited. We've stood. We've been the watchman on the, on the wall. We've come to Sunday morning. We've come to Sunday night. We've proclaimed. We've anointed everything with oil so much that we've run out of oil. We've done everything we know to do, God. Come on, it's time to do something. I'm inadequate. I can't make things happen. I can't heal the sick. I can't, I can't, I can't cause things to come together like God's promised. And sometimes I feel so inadequate. I say, God, what more can I do? What more can I do? I, I've tried to obey everything you've told me to obey. I've tried to, hey, am I preaching to anybody besides me? I've, I've done everything I know to do. I've, 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 I've invited them. I've bought them stuff. I've, I've given them gifts. I've, I've said nice things to them. I've went out of my way to be friendly with them. I've, I've done everything I know to do and the situation's not changing. What more can I do? Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes would fill with tears so that I could weep over the situations that aren't coming together. In your life, I weep for you because I want to see your miracle more than you want to see it. Well, maybe not more, but as much anyway. I do. I want to rejoice with you. I want to shout with you. I want to, I want to wave the banner of Jesus Christ saying, look what my God has done just like you do. I want to do that. I want to see people in these altars. I, we had four saved last Sunday morning. I, I said, man alive, that's beautiful. I want to see these altars filled. I want to see this community change. I'm doing everything I feel like God's given me to do to do this. For 15 years, I pounded on that rock with a sledgehammer. And the question is, what else can I do? I've done it all, God. 
I've, I've had church in tents when you've told me to have church in tents. I've, I've gone door to door. I've, we've done evangelism. We've made ourselves available to the schools. We brought school supplies after school supplies after school supplies after school supplies. We've, we've had services at, at the schools. We've, we've done, I've done everything I feel like you've called me to do. What else is there for me to do? Oh, that my head was waters and my eyes were filled with tears so that I could weep over the, the slain of my people. And you know what Jeremiah found out? Jeremiah found out that only God can change a situation. Only God can answer your miracle. I can weep and cry with you. I can, I can, I can grieve with you. I can, I can want it just as bad as you want it. But the answer is this. God calls us sometimes to press on in the face of adversity and in the situation of people maybe in the community ever getting saved or never getting saved, you have to realize that sometimes God only calls you to do what God calls you to do. The answer for Jeremiah's people where they had to change. Jeremiah wore... Jeremiah walked among them with loincloths on. He, he saw flying scrolls. He gave them visions and prophecies. He, 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 he cursed them and he blessed them. And the curses that he said came to pass and the blessings that he said came to pass. But sometimes God calls us just to be consistent. To be that consistent voice to that loved one that needs to hear a consistent voice. To be a consistent voice to the community so that whenever their world does fall apart, they say, I know where this guy's going to be and I know he's going to be there and I need to get him to pray for me. To be consistent in the church attendance, to be consistent in living, to be consistent. Jeremiah was consistent every day of his life. He was consistent. They knew he was going to be at the temple. They knew he was going to be prophesying. They knew the things that he was. They knew who he was. And even the enemy knew who he was because whenever the enemy took over the city of Jerusalem, they took Jeremiah and said, you can stay here. You can go back with us. We don't care. We just want you to do what you want to do. He was blessed by God for his prophecy. Did his nation change? No, did not. But it wasn't because of Jeremiah. When we weep over those who weep and when we rejoice over those who rejoice, when we've done everything that we can do, then it's up to God to do the rest of it. There's nothing more that we can do sometimes. And to continue to try to work within our own abilities and to continue to try to, to try to figure out some way to make it happen, I'm telling you the best thing we can do when we reach the end of everything we know to do is allow the Lord to take over the situation because if the God doesn't move, then it's not going to move. If God doesn't move, it's not going to move. And you can do a lot more in a prayer room than you can on an iPhone. I said you can do a lot more in a prayer room than you will on an iPhone. Did, did Babylon fall? Did Jerusalem fall? Yes, they did. Did they go to Egypt and be destroyed? Yes, they were. But I'm telling you, long after Jeremiah was dead, Ezra returned. Long after Jeremiah was dead, Nehemiah rebuilt the walls. Long after Jeremiah was dead, Ezra rebuilt the temple. Long after Jeremiah was dead, this, the nation of Jerusalem was restored. 
And I want to tell you today that you, you may not think you'll ever see it with your eyes, but I'm going to tell you, as long as you take the sledgehammer of the Word of God and you continue to pound on that piece of granite, that piece of granite's going to let go. It can't stand the continual blows of a, praying, of a praying sledgehammer. It cannot stand the continual blows of someone who will not give up. You may have got, reached the end of your rope. You may have done everything you know to do. You may be exhausted in your attempts. You may not know what else you can do, but I tell you what you can keep doing. You can keep calling those things that are not as though they were. You can keep confessing the power of Jesus Christ. You can keep saying, I know what God promised me and I'll have what God promised me for 25 years Abraham professed he was going to have a son everybody laughed at him there was no way he could have a kid he was married to a 90 year old woman he was 99 years old himself there was no way it could have happened and guess what Isaac, Isaac popped out anyway Isaac popped out anyway and the name Isaac means laughter Everybody that said it wasn't going to happen had to listen to the laughter of Isaac, Sarah, and Abraham. Everybody that made fun of Abraham down at the dollar store because he changed his name had to endure it as he showed that baby off to everybody that said it wouldn't happen. And though Abraham may have been frustrated, because I know I would have been frustrated, and though Abraham may have himself have had doubts in, at his time, if you read in the book of Genesis, you'll find out that whenever the, whenever the angels came on their way to Sodom, by the way, but when the angels came and told Abraham, this time next year you'll embrace a son, the Bible says that Abraham laughed. And if you look that word up in the original language, that word laughed doesn't mean he laughed and said, yeah, right. It means he laughed saying, I knew it was going to come to pass. I knew it. I win. I won. I knew I'd win. I trusted my God. And I want to tell you today, if you're waiting on a miracle from God, if you're waiting on a miracle of something that God has promised you, then it's got to be just as real to you as if you're holding it in your arms. It's got to be just as real to you as if you're experiencing it right now. Because I'm going to tell you, within yourself, every one of you know that the promise that God has given you, you are inadequate to obtain. You are inadequate to cause your healing to happen. You've been to doctor after doctor after doctor after doctor. You're doing everything they say to do. You're trusting the Lord. You're praying. You're preaching. You're telling everybody your, your promise. But I want to tell you, unless God builds the house, the workman works in vain. Unless God builds the house, the workman works in vain. And I want to tell you this morning that you may be weary in well-doing. And I'm going to tell you there's times that we all get weary in well-doing. We start thinking, I've done everything I know to do. I've invited them over for lunch. I've, I, we, we've started this ministry at the church. We've started that ministry at the church. We're inviting people to come. We have women's meetings and, and we invite everybody. It's in the bulletin and we, we, blow, the, we blow Facebook up telling everybody everything that's going on, and then two and a half years later after you get started with that, somebody goes on Facebook and says, I went to that church for two years and didn't even know they had a women's group. My Lord, how can you not know that? How can you not know that? And everybody else is talking, to, I, need, I need to visit the church. And right below that post is, well, I went to that church for two years and nobody ever spoke to me. My Lord, Frustration, almost anger. What in the world's going on? How can you? How, 
I'm at the end of the rope. I don't know what else to do. I mean, we're on Facebook. We got iPods. We got a YouTube channel. We're on Facebook Live. We, 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 we publish bulletins. We, we do everything I know to do. And somebody says, well, I didn't know that was going on. <laughs> yeah, nobody invited me to come. Well, I don't get invited to come up here every Sunday either, but I show up. <laughs> Sometimes when I'm shaking your hand, I'm looking at your face to see if I'm, you're glad I'm here or not. <laughs> Frustration is a part of this walk. Getting to the end of your rope is a part of this walk. Preaching and preaching and preaching and preaching and seem like nobody listens is a part of this walk. It's just a part of it. Receiving a promise from God and having to wait on it is just a part of this walk. And when you've done all that you know to do to stand, when you put on your garments, of, you put on your belt belt of truth and your breastplate of righteousness and your helmet of salvation and your feet are shod with the gospel of peace and got the sword of the word and the shield of faith. When you got all that stuff going and you've been battling depression and anxiety and frustration and, and, and words spoken against you and, and you've been battling all this stuff on your knees in prayer, not on Facebook, but you've been battling it and you've been, you've been working against it. You've been trying. Some of you here, okay, here's, here's something else the Holy Spirit just brought to my mind. Some of you here have told me this. I don't really know why God brought me here. I know God brought me here for something, but I don't really know why God brought me here. That's got to be frustrating. I sat on a pew for 22 years wondering why God called me to preach and wouldn't give me no place to preach. I understand your frustration. I get it. I tried to make some places to preach. I called some pastors and told them I was available. Stupidest thing I've ever done in my life. I called a pastor from Votal because everybody told me he'd let new preachers preach on Sunday night. So I said, hey, I'm a new preacher. I need a place to preach. So I called him up. He laughed at me. Who told you that? I don't let just anybody in my pulpit. Who do you think I am? Uh, I don't know. I <laughs> hope he didn't get my name. <laughs> I've done it. Been there. Tried to open my own doors. Try to make it happen. I've been there. I've done that. But what I found out was this. After 22 years of working and, and, and just being consistent and, and getting everything ready for what God had told me is going to happen for 22 years, getting, the, getting the, the room ready if you're ready so that whenever God opened the door and, and made it ready, it would be happening. 22 years of waiting and trying and, and pressing and being frustrated and, and pestering my wife to death. 22 years of that. One day, God opened the door and I hadn't quit since he opened the door. Hallelujah. He opened the door and when that was closed he opened another door but it took 22 years of frustration 22 years of knowing what else I can do 22 years of doing whatever God was giving leading youth leading men's groups taking the offering leading the singing whatever he gave me to do it took 22 years of that before God finally moved and allowed me to step into the promise that he gave me. And for you, it may take you a while before God finishes opening the door because he's got to wait till your pamper's not on anymore. That's what it was for me. I know it says it'll hold 22 pounds and I found out sometimes I put 22 pounds in it. But once I got to where God, God matured me and grew me up a little bit, then God let me go. 
You know what? If you don't know what God's called you to do, then just do whatever's in front of you. Then do whatever he puts in front of you. If, if God calls you to, to run the vacuum, well, you have to ask Heather, but if God calls you to run the vacuum cleaner, come up here and ask Heather, can I run the vacuum today? I feel like God's laid it on my heart. She probably won't let you, but you can try. She'll find something else, a closet that needs to be cleaned out. Probably the women's closet because it's 110 out there. <laughs> what am I telling you today? I'm telling you that as being a Christian and in believing God for promises, there's going to be days when you feel totally inadequate. There's going to be days when you are so frustrated with it that you're ready to just quit it. There's going to be days whenever you just say, you know what? This is, this is just not happening like I thought it was going to happen. This is so frustrating. God, you gave me this promise, and I don't see this promise happening. And I, and I don't, did I even hear from you? Am I the only one that's ever said that? Did I ever, did I even hear from you? Was, was this just something I wanted to do that I decided would be a good idea? Did I even hear from God? Because if I heard from him, surely something would be happening. Well, surely sometimes it don't happen. Sometimes it takes a while. And this morning, I want to tell you, don't be weary in well-doing. Don't, don't, <clears throat> don't let your frustration fill your eyes with tears. And even though you're praying for the miracle or you're searching after the miracle or you're waiting for the salvation of your kids or you're, or you're, or you're waiting for that ministry to open up or you're waiting for that, that timing, you're waiting for the moment, even though you may be waiting in it and you may be frustrated in it and you may be telling people the truth and they're not listening, I'm telling you, keep telling the truth. Keep preaching the truth. Keep proclaiming what God has said. Don't be weary in well-doing, for the Bible says you will reap if you faint not. This morning the Lord said he created a sweet spot for some of us. And I'm some of us. I'm going to tell you this morning, I'm some of us. Because there's times when I feel inadequate in the position God has got me in. There are times when I feel like, you know, you know, Facebook is the, is, if you're somebody that's, it's, uh, how do I want to put this? Facebook can be your worst enemy. Because everybody always posts their high moments on Facebook. Nobody posts that they bake a cake and it fell apart. Nobody posts that. They post, they post the most beautiful cake they ever made in their life, even if they have to cut it and paste it from some website. <laughs> they post their victories. They post their best. They post their most wonderful vacation they've ever been on. They don't post the one where they argued and fought the whole time. They don't post that one. They post the one where it was, the most, it was, it was like the honeymoon all over again. That's the one they talk about. And everybody talks about their very finest and their very best. And if you live your life on Facebook or any other social media, Twitter, whatever your social media of choice may be, if you live it there, what you're going to find out is that you always feel inadequate. You always start saying things like, why, why isn't that happening for me? I've been saving money in my 401k too, and how come I'm not making 15%? Who's this guy with? Well, you find out that maybe he didn't quite make 15%. He just said he did. You know, you, you, you find out things. And, and what's important is not, are you, the, the Bible has a very wonderful scripture, and I'm closing because I've been going for a little while. I'm, I'm fixing clothes. The Bible has a scripture. It's in uh, 1 Corinthians 12. It says, comparing yourselves among yourselves is not wise. 
Comparing yourself among yourself is not wise. That goes for families in the church. That goes for pastors in the ministry. That goes for you and your friends. Comparing yourself among yourself is not wise. Because God's called you as a specific talent and a specific ability. There's something that only you can do and you alone. And whenever you do it, you may not reap the... You know, I've got, I've got friends that invest in stock market and every time they put their money in, it's like a slot machine. They just pull the handle and, and the bottom falls out. And, every, and they make money every time they do anything. Every time I invest in, in the stock market, mine goes down. I'm going to buy Apple just so it'll go to the bottom. <laughs> if I could afford it. It's like $1,000 a share. My, my dad was a very resourceful man. And his, his dad was a uh, washing machine, dryer, appliance repairman. And they decided that they would go in business down by Lamar University and they would open up a washateria. So they found an old washateria and they invested a lot of money in it to upgrade all the washers, to make the washers nice, to make the dryers nice. They put in a dry cleaning machine. Uh, they did all that stuff down there. I went down there with them when, as I was a kid. I was probably like, I was little, maybe 10, 8, 9, 10 years old. I went down there, passing out flyers to let people know that we were opening up this new washateria. Got chased by a bad dog, cried for a little while. <laughs> down there in the south side of Beaumont, <laughs> down in the South Park area. We passed them out. They had this big thing going. It was going good. Man, it was going good. It was starting to do stuff, and, and it, was, it was starting to come together, and people were starting to come, and they were starting to make money at it. And then my grandpa fooled around and died. Left my dad with that washateria. He's working shift work at DuPont. He doesn't have time to go to that washateria all the time. They got people to work there, and they found out that the people that worked there stole more money than they did anything else. And they eventually had to sell it, and I don't know if he sold it for a loss, or did he, did he make any money selling it? He, he, tried, he about broke even. And you know, you find out sometimes that that's how life is. You put it all together, you see, you see an end, it's starting to come together, it's looking good, and then all of a sudden it falls apart and you've done everything. You say, God, I followed you into this, I've, I've, I've seasoned this with prayer, I, I, I've, I've done everything you told me to do, I've been faithful in my tithes, I've been faithful in my offerings, and now I find myself at the bottom of this thing, and now I'm trying to get out of it, and nobody will buy it. Ever been there? When you find yourself in that spot, oh, that my head were waters and my eyes were filled with tears so that I could weep over the slain of my people, so that I could weep over my promise, so that I could weep over my situation, so I could weep over whatever it was that I thought was going to turn out differently. When you find yourself in that situation, you need to remember that God cares and knows where you are. God knew where Jeremiah was. God rescued Jeremiah. God gave Jeremiah favor. And even though Jeremiah died in Egypt in a place he didn't want to be, he died in the will of God. And I want to tell you today that God's here today to put you in a sweet spot, to get you out of that feeling of inadequacy, to get you out of that feeling of confusion of why am I here, 
to get you out of that place where you're saying, Lord, when is my promise going to come to pass? To get you out of the place of, Lord, when is this going to get better? To get you out of that place. He's, brought, he's come here today to put you in a sweet spot to let you know that he's never left you and he's never forsaken you and what he said is going to certainly come to pass if you'll just keep pressing and praying and being consistent in what God's given you to do, then I'm telling you that you're going to reap if you faint not. I'm telling you from experience that God opens doors. He's opened doors after door after door in my life. I'm here to tell you that God's not slack concerning his promises as some men count slackness, but he is faithful to what he said he was going to do and he will be faithful to you. No man will stand before God and say you didn't do what you said you were going to do. He's been faithful, faithful to me. Looking back, all his mercies I see. And when I questioned him or even dared to believe, he's been faithful, faithful to me. God will be faithful to you. Some of you today feel inadequate. You feel like you've done everything you know to do. You're frustrated with your promises. And, and you may be, be in the point this morning where you may say, I wish God hadn't even spoke to me at all. You ever been there? I wish he hadn't said anything. He told me the day that, that my son was diagnosed with diabetes. Did I say that right? Diabetes? Okay. He told me... <laughs> I say it wrong sometimes. He told me that the day that my son was diagnosed, God assured me that he would heal his body. He assured me of that. I was more sure of that than I was of anything in my life. But it's been 25 years since the promise. 25 years. But I will tell you this. There are days that go by, but there's probably not a month that goes by that I don't thank God for healing my son. I don't pray God, listen to me. I don't pray God, would you heal him? Are you hearing me? I don't say, God, would you heal my son? You know why? Because I already know God's going to heal him. I've, I've passed that threshold of faith. I've passed that. I've said, God, you said it. I believe it. And that settles that. I'm not at the threshold of faith anymore asking, begging, hoping, pleading, maybe something's going to happen. I'm past that. I'm saying, God, I know that you will. And now I'm in, the, I'm in the threshold of hope. And that threshold of hope says, God, I know that you will. I know that you can in faith. I know that you will. And every day, if Kenny was to call me today and tell me, Dad, I'm not taking insulin anymore. You know what I would say? I told you so. I wouldn't jump and shout and rejoice. I've already done all that. Already done all that. You hear me? I've already done all that. I've already jumped and shouted and rejoiced over the healing. I already know that. I'm just waiting to hear the words now. And as soon as I hear them, I'm going to say, I told you so. My God's faithful. I told you so. We're not doubting it. We're not concerned about it. We're not, we're not grieving over it. We've watched God heal him of a lot of things to get here. And now we just got one little thing left. 
one little thing left, and it's just a small sliver of time before I see that promise come to pass. Because I am more than a conqueror through him that loved me. Nothing's going to separate me from the promise of God. Not distress, not persecution, not nakedness, not famine, not sword, not peril. Nothing's going to separate me from the promise. Because if God said it, then heaven and earth can't stop it. The only thing that can stop it is if I lose faith in God. And I may be frustrated and I may be uh, feeling inadequate and I may not know what to do next. But I'm going to tell you this. If I'll drop to my knees and just pray a little bit, God will renew me. And he's here to renew you today. Stand with me if you would. Let me finish. <clears throat> uh, musician, would you come back this morning? We're going <laughs> to. Man, I feel like I'm fixing to do battle. This is feeling good. This is feeling good. I may have started out a little bit concerned about it, but I'm telling you, God is adequate. God shows up every week, and God speaks every week in this, in this house. And he doesn't, as my mom would say, God doesn't speak just to bump his gums together and move some air. It's not why he speaks. He speaks with the intention of having it come to pass. And if God's given you a promise, then he's put you in a sweet spot today so that you can leave out of here today either with the promise or knowing that the promise is on its way. So today as they sing, if God's made you a promise and you haven't seen it and maybe you're a little frustrated with it, you're wondering what else do I need to do <clears throat> having done all to stand, this morning I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you to come down here and lift your hands and begin to praise God for the promise that he gave you. If you've been praying for somebody and they're not moving and they're becoming meaner and you're getting more frustrated with it, I'm going to ask you to come down here this morning and to put it in God's hands and to say, I'm, 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 I'm done with that. I'm done with coaxing. I'm done with twisting your arm. I'm done with trying to force you up here. I'm done with trying to make, make you see that you're dumb because you won't serve the Lord and all your life's falling apart. I'm done with that. I'm just going to begin to turn you over to the Lord now. Some of you don't know your direction, don't know why you're here, don't know what you should be doing. I want you to come down here and rejoice in that. God, thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that because I'm I know that you're still working on me. I know that you're still opening doors for me. I know you're still doing things for me. Thank you, Lord, for that. If, you, if, you, if God's moving on your heart, because today is a sweet spot. Do you hear me? Today is a sweet spot. Today's the day when God begins to renew things. When God begins to renew your mind, God begins to renew your promise. God begins to renew your spirit. God begins to, to make you walk tall again. <clears throat> because I'm going to tell you this buddy just as sure as I'm standing here I'm going to see some miracles in this church just as sure as you're st I'm standing here I'm going to see some rejoicing in this church just as sure as I'm standing here I'm going to rejoice with you and we're going to have a, some big days ahead because God's promised big days ahead Amen? If there's somebody down up here that you want to pray with, I'd invite you to leave your seat. Come and stand with them this morning. Huh? Yeah, if you, if you, need, if you want prayer this morning, then step up as close as you can to the steps so we can see who you are.
folks as you can. If there's somebody up here you want to pray with, then I want to encourage you to pray. If you're going to stay in your seat, then I want you to worship because God's going to be doing some stuff. This <laughs> God's doing some stuff. Oh, my God, my God. God's doing some stuff down here this morning. And we're going to leave out of here with some answered prayers, some changed situations, some renewed promises. Amen.
Lord a hand today, would you? So sometimes I hear and do silly things that may seem silly. And this morning, and if, and if you don't want to do this, you certainly don't have to. It, I, I, realize, I realize before I tell you that, this is, that you're going to say, oh, wow, okay. That's our pastor. But I was, as I was praying for some of you this morning, I kept hearing the same thing over and over and over. The first thing they saw around the walls of Jericho were cracks in the wall. The first thing they saw marching around the walls of Jericho were cracks in the wall. And when cracks started appearing, they didn't have to have faith that the walls were going to fall. They knew the walls were falling. So here's the silly thing I want you to do. We're going to sing one more song. And, and for real, we're going to sing one more song. Then we're going to sit down and take an offering. Because I prom- I t- asked Jan- Diana to sing last Sunday night, and I forgot about her. So I asked her if she'd sing this morning, so I can't fail her twice. <laughs> so we're going we're to receive an offering and get Diana to sing. But this morning, as Mike leads us in one more song, some of you this morning may say, you may feel in your heart, if you feel in your heart, that if you made a walk around this place, you don't have to run, but if you feel in your heart, if I feel like I feel like that was for me, I feel like God's telling me I need to make a walk around this building. And if I make a walk around this building, then I believe that God will help me to hear some cracks in the wall. Maybe that's you this morning. I think I think there's a maybe there's a couple of you that might. And as we sing this last song, if you say, you know what? I just feel that in my spirit, and I think I'm just gonna take me a stroll expecting to hear something from the Lord. Now, don't just walk to walk. Listen to me. Don't just walk to walk, but walk expecting to hear something. When they got to that seventh time around, they went around that thing in faith expecting to hear something. When they shouted, they expected something to happen. So if you're going to walk this morning as we sing this last song, then walk with your ears open expecting to hear something from the Lord. Is that, does that sound okay? Is that, is that too crazy? Not too crazy? All right. Who can, <laughs> there you go. So, Mike, sing us one more song. And if you need to, if you feel like that the Lord's wanting you to take a stroll, then take a stroll this morning.